Welcome to Alibi Radio, where we support you in your business and life. Listen in each week for episodes on how to grow your business, tips from successful business owners, answers to your burning business questions, and much more. Join our Alibi Hive, and we will help you and your business grow. I'm your host, Brooke Markovicius, founder and CEO of Alibi, a SaaS solution for freelancers to manage their business and get work brought to them. We are the solution for stress-free freelancing and the hub of the best vetted workforce around. I took my years of freelance, startup, and brick-and-mortar experience and merged it with my technical background and skills to create Alibi. My hope is that this podcast will bring you actionable tips, tricks, and tools to help you gain momentum in your business and life. Let's get into the buzz of the week. Welcome everybody to Alibi Radio. Today we are talking to Jenny Liddy, founder of Content Creation Solutions. Jen left her high school teaching career to avoid a life doomed by grading crappy ninth grade Romeo and Juliet essays. In 2013, she made a terrifying leap into entrepreneurship and learned everything the hard way. Today as a content creation specialist, Jen helps personal brands step off the creation for the content creation dreadmill, become better writers, and get out of the content chaos with strategies that easeify, simplify, and actually make the content feel good for you. Jenny helps simply create great content that helps shift your exact right audience into your ideal clients. Oh, I love this, and I also can so relate to so much of this. <laughs> so, Jenny, welcome to the Alibi Podcast. We're so excited to have you here today. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I love talking anything content. I'm a super big word nerd. I love it. I love it. That's so important, especially to stand out as an entrepreneur and a brand. Um, words are very powerful. They are. Um, yes, they are. And I know that you started as a former educator. You were in, in there working on those Romeo and Juliet essays. I was also <laughs> formerly a high school history teacher. So I feel you, you know, on, on you know. all things education. <laughs> you, know the, you know the scribbling. How does this prove your thesis? Explain, develop. And then they look at it when they get yeah. it back and then they throw it in the garbage. You're like, why am I doing no, this job? Like, I tried so <laughs> I know you're, I think you're actually our like second or third former teacher on the podcast. (laughs) And we just, so many of us have jumped into entrepreneurship and it definitely has impacted us as an entrepreneur. I always tell people that, you know, teachers are some of the best entrepreneurs, former teachers, because we have project management skills, all of these soft skills that were so vitally important to being an entrepreneur. Um, so I can definitely understand the path that, that kind of led you to this, but I'd love to hear from you exactly like how you made that kind of scary leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah, I want to really start by saying it was very scary. Yeah. Uh, I had a couple of things going for me that most teachers don't have going for them. And that is my husband and my mother-in-law were both entrepreneurial. So it was kind of normalized in my house that you didn't necessarily have to have a a job, right? So like I grew up, you had a job, there was a check that came in, things got pulled out of that check and you never saw them, but the money, you know, you did get paid. And that was how I was taught you, you work. Also the ethos in my family growing up was you work hard, you work hard and that's how you get paid. And I got into the middle of my teaching career, like, like 14 years in, 
And I was a really, really good teacher. And I was like, I'm working really hard, but I'm not making any money. And I have two master's degrees and I'm not making any money. And it just felt, um, it felt like, what am I doing wrong? Right? Like, like I loved the the work. I loved teaching and I still love teaching. And I, I always said like teaching to me was like breathing. So I didn't really, it didn't feel like um, a huge lift, but it was because you're always bringing home papers. And even in the summertime, you're thinking about, oh, I just had this experience. How can I turn this into a lesson for my students? Or here's a new book I read. Like you're always, always, always thinking about them, right? And then um, eventually a couple of things shifted in the education space. So I want to, so I left education teaching high school in 2007 when my son was born. And then I went to teach um, post-secondary at a community college, basically like 13th and 14th graders, right? So, uh, but I had the skills that they needed. So I became like a college professor. So I haven't been in the classroom for a long time, but during that time, what was happening were phones were coming into the room. Um, kids would be like texting. Remember back when we would have to text like JKL and, you know, remember we would have like my kids would be having their stupid little crappy flip phones out and texting under their desk. And I would say, I don't care what you're doing under your desk, put whatever it is away and put your hands on top of the desk so that we can yeah. do some learning. And I just felt like I had become this I, I felt like I wasn't an educator anymore. I felt like I was a police person and that I was, um, you know, I would do that thing, that co- that classroom management thing where you move around the room and you're teaching and you're talking and you're pretending everything is fine, but you really pre- just like want to be in proximity to them. And I don't know. I just, I just happened to notice probably after a year of this kind of just wearing down on me that I was in the shower a lot and I would think, is it worth it? to do sub plan sub plans for the day. Do I want to get a substitute teacher in or is that too much work or should I just go into school and suck it up and do my thing? Like what would be easier? So I realized like I was always looking for a way out. Um oh my god, Sunday uh, August was like one big Sunday night. Sunday nights were like I don't want to go tomorrow. I just like I just noticed I was really getting worn down and I was like but I love teaching. How can I be feeling this way? Also, I spent like a lot of money on my two master's degrees, right? So there was just a lot of resistance to me admitting that uh, this wasn't really working for me anymore. The other thing I will say is if you are a teacher or an educator listening to this, you're surrounded by teachers and that's the norm. It's like this dysfunctional norm, right? Like that you're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to stay late. You're supposed to get there early. Of course, you're supposed to have another essay due. There's like, it's just more, 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 more. And teachers, when I announced to my teacher friends and colleagues that I was leaving to go start a business with two friends, they couldn't believe it. They thought I was, but they were like, but what about your retirement? I was like, I don't know. I have to do something. I would go be a greeter at Walmart or work at McDonald's because I can't do this anymore for the next 40 years with, for the promise of $24,000 in my retirement. Like I just, I just couldn't anymore. But I always like to say I do, I did have the privilege of support at home and that made it easier for me to cut it off completely and make the huge leap. And it was terrifying and it was scary. And I, did this other thing that teachers do. And I'm wondering if your audience can res- resonate with this. Um, as a teacher, you're often told 
you're just a teacher. You're just a teacher. You don't really know anything. You don't know anything about the kids. We're, like It's coming from the parents. It's coming from the kids. It's coming from the administration. It's coming from society. You're just a teacher. And you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not a professional. Maybe, th- maybe I have no other skills than to get into this classroom every day and do my tap dance and get kids to like think critically. And I want teachers to know they can and they have incredible skills, but they just haven't been tapped for that. And it is really defeating when you're like, but I'm smart and I'm creative, but you wind up not seeing those things in yourself anymore. And that's kind of where I was when I, when I left and it was scary and I didn't know what I was doing. And you don't need to get a business degree to start a business. That was another thing. Like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I don't have a master's degree in business, but I do have two master's degrees. So I must be a moron, right? Like I can't start a business. So uh, there's a lot of baggage, I think, that comes with being a teacher and then leaving the teaching profession. Yeah, it definitely, there's so much there and so much to unpack too. I think that We've just done our yeah, all teachers a disservice in our in our society and how we approach education. Um, it's so vital to our society, yet mm-hmm. we don't support, we don't pay, we don't treat them well, we don't um, allow that there be other paths after teaching. Maybe, right. and, you know, we set people on this like you must be in teaching for forty years, like kind of concept where That's right. it's like. But maybe if we had teachers coming in for like five years and then going out into the world and doing other stuff and then maybe even coming back again, like I feel like there's just such a a bad like thing around it. My brother's a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Like I, I've heard so many stories about education and mm-hmm. I got out early because mm-hmm. I was like, uh, it must have also been just generally teaching around that time period. Because 2007, 2008. Yeah, 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 exactly. That was it. that was when I was teaching, and it was just I was like, "What is happening? This isn't what I thought I was going I into." Um, and and I decided that that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do either. Plus, like there was a lot of chaos during that time too because mm-hmm. of the recession and school systems not knowing what they were going to do and who they were going to hire. Um, and I was like, "There's got to be something else." And I went into nonprofit at the time. Um, because I was like, okay, well, maybe that's another path like <laughs> that I can do. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't see, and I think you you are very fortunate that you had that entrepreneurship experience in your household. Totally. Um, because I definitely didn't see that as a kid or growing up. I had heard about people that had businesses, knew some friends mm-hmm. that their parents had a business. I was always fascinated by it. And actually, my best friend growing up, her parents ran a business. And so it's interesting to me because I spent a lot of time in that household too. And I think some of that kind of rubbed off on me and kind of seeing how that that evolved for them and mm-hmm. the growth that, that that it provided to them as well as, a, as business owners over a long period of time. But yeah, I think that we often don't see the potential future that we have and what skills that we can bring to the table. And I know I mentioned that at the beginning that teachers have so many good skills. Like they're the they're best so smart. So they're smart. so smart. They can yeah. create systems so much easier than um, t- a lot of typical entrepreneurs have a lot of trouble. And actually it's not having systems that bites other entrepreneurs in the butt. They, are, they can usually create programs really easily because they have been creating unit plans and lesson plans. And they've probably been working on K through 12 entire yeah. curricula, right? Like they have 
the ability to like turn on a dime to manage different types of personalities in a room. Like it is incredible what teachers take for granted. And so anybody who's listening, I would love for you to think about the things that you do every single day that you do as a routine, like breathing involuntarily and how that might benefit you someplace else in the world, even if it, it, I mean, this is only for people who obviously want to get out of teaching, but, um, and, and the other thing I will say is I still teach, I teach content creation, copy, messaging, and systems, right? Like I still teach the differences, the people who I teach want to be in the room with me and they actually care about learning. And that was a big uh aha. And I get paid really well for it. So the, uh, I remember the bottom line for me was, uh, it was like 2013. I was at the end of a semester. It was December, 2013. I was at the end of a semester with my English 101 students and my English, uh, 102 students, like, so literature and writing both, both. And we had been talking about topic sentences and thesis statements, like all the boring crap that you need to learn at the beginning of your college life, right? And it was a week before their final essays were going to be handed in. And I'm still teaching thesis statements. And I stood up there. I'm like, you guys, I've got two master's degrees. I personally don't need to learn this anymore. You're the ones who want a degree. And if you care then you need to care about getting your message across and communicating and being heard. And we have been doing this for 15 and a half weeks at this point. I can't stand up here and tap dance for you. I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. And they looked at me like with big, big eyes, like, I can't believe she's saying this to us. And I was like, I'm saying it. And you know what else? I'm done. Like I am done teaching people who don't want to learn how to communicate. And that was kind of it for me with teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's always that, you know, that lead up of all of the things and then kind of that defining moment. I know, I mean, even when I left my traditional job to start freelancing years ago, it was that I had like one of those moments where I was just like, nope, <laughs> like I'm done. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was uh, having to pump in the bathroom with oh, my, God, right. my baby Jeez. that was there. And then my boss was like, why are you late to this meeting? And I was like, I was pumping in the because my bathroom. boobs, yeah, because you know, boobs. I mean, it's just it, there's always that. It's just like no, I'm done. Like I get in. You could you remember those those moments? Yeah, um, yeah. But a lot of times it's like a, a a continuous burnout for a long period of time. And I think a lot of teachers probably experience that where they're you know almost every year is a burnout, and then they kind of rejuvenate a little in the summer, and then yeah. back to burnout for the next yeah. year. Um, and and obviously, that's not a great way to live. Um, and I think that we we just don't talk enough about burnout in general. So I'd love to kind of tap into that now. I know that you talk about this a bit, um, about making like that me time when burnout strikes. So I'd love to hear your opinion kind of on how to overcome that burnout or, you know, navigate it as well. Well, one of the, the, the thing that I specialize in now is, so I married, you know, teaching English with learning how to do a business with all my nerdy, like systems, linear brain, I married it all. And now I teach content creation and it's very easy to burn out. It's actually something that people worry about when they start a business, like, oh my God, I have to market myself and I have to create content. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to do it. And then you kind of like 
start learning from everybody and you take it all in and everybody's got a different opinion on how to do it. And I I just want to say there is no one right way. Nobody's system will work for you. You have to take what you like and, and get out the rest and decide what works for you. Really do that synthesis of taking all the things and making it yours. But it's very easy to burn out when you're a business owner, especially if you're a solopreneur, especially if you don't have a team yet. And especially if you don't really know what you're doing yet, it's, it's, it's very normal to not know what you're doing. Your whole first three years is really like, it's kind of like it was when you're a teacher, you're gathering information, you're learning how to do this thing and you're taking in information from everyone that can burn you out. The feeling of imposter syndrome or like comparisonitis Uh, that can burn you out. Like always looking at what somebody else has and comparing yourself to that and wishing you were there, like that can burn you out. But frankly, the tasks, the everyday tasks, because there's so much to do, that can burn you out. So um, the the thing that is important is to be on the lookout for burnout. And I didn't, I I didn't know to be on the lookout for that because the, the entrepreneurs in my life, my, namely my mom, my mother-in-law and my husband, um, they had gotten past that 20 years ago. They were like 20 years into their businesses. So it was just like a chugging machine for them. And so that was kind of new to me when I started my first business. And I was like, I'm working 70 hours a week and I'm not making any money. Like I could just go back to teaching and make more money and work less hard. So I think being on the lookout for burnout and then uh, notice what you're feeling how it's showing up for you. Like I remember I said, like in the shower, I'd be washing my hair and that feeling would come over me like, how can I get out of going to school today? That's an indication that something is amiss. For me, another indication was uh, this is, I so my first business was in a brick and mortar fitness studio. I was the operations and communications person. It was completely out of my wheelhouse, but that's again, my nerdy systems brain and my word brain like that. Those are the two things I got in charge of. Right. And about three years in, a colleague down the street at a yoga studio had sent out a message to her clients and I was on her list. And she said that she was leaving yoga and she was going to go get a degree in psychology and she was closing down her business. And my first gut instinct was to feel jealousy. And I was like, I don't feel jealous normally. Like I'm not a jealous person. That's not my thing. But that was an indication for me to tune in like, oh, what am I jealous about? Oh, she's getting out of this freaking business of of owning a fitness studio or a yoga studio. Oh, what does that inform for me? And so just being aware that burnout is a real thing and being on the lookout for the shifts in yourself. Like I remember I just felt so dead inside. I felt like a crispy little like piece of you know, Brussels sprouts or something like you'd blow on it and I would float away. And that to me was an indication that I was on the edge. Well, that no, I was in full burnout at that point. That was from my first business. So I have a, a pattern of doing burnout. So it's something that I pay attention to a lot, but I think that having this conversation is helpful for people to just say like, oh, it's normal. You can avoid it. There are some things you need to be on the lookout for. Yeah. Uh, those are just such good pieces of advice. I definitely have a pattern of burnout as well. And I think it's it's probably just to get it out there, very typical for an entrepreneur to have burnout. And most people in general, I mean, yeah. we're experiencing a huge like 
energy crisis for society right now too. So it's not, you're not alone in this if you're listening today. And I know I have a episode, I think one of the first episodes of this season is me talking about how I felt at the beginning of the summer when I was hitting burnout. Um, But I know what to look for now, like you were just talking about. And same thing for me, I was not excited to to jump on stuff. We ended up actually not doing half of our season for the podcast last season because I was also going to burn out from that. But it wasn't just the podcast. It was a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of people experience that same thing. But when we're going a million miles an hour, sometimes we love it. And we love what we're doing as entrepreneurs. Um, But whenever we get, I think, too far from our original mission, when it's like not exactly what we wanted to like start out doing, that can be really detrimental to us as as an entrepreneur. Um, Because especially if you're a solo entrepreneur and you're showing up every day um, for your business and yourself, it's very hard to like kind of disconnect your business from you as well. I I know that that is a a struggle for a lot of business owners. And, and I had to kind of pull back and look at what's the impact that we're making. What is the, you know, why am I doing this? You know, my business is not me. If my business fails, how will I feel like, and really try to pull out from it. Um, once I noticed those signs that were, were happening. So yeah, those are great pieces of advice. If you're starting to hit Hit burnout or <laughs> hit the wall. Yes, you, you have to do something about it. So obviously you overcame that burnout in some capacity. Several times. Several times. <laughs> several times. Same yes. here. Um, and started your your current business that you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what has been this a big the biggest challenge? I mean, burnout obviously can be a hit was probably mm-hmm. a big challenge for you, but as you maybe now into this current um, you know, ideation, I always look at our businesses as just continuing to ideate totally. over, over time. So yeah. in this current ideation of your, of your business, what's kind of the biggest challenge that you faced and how have you been overcoming it or already overcame it? It's a good question, especially this is, you, you have no idea that you asked at this specific time, but I just <laughs> decided, so, so my business went from kind of, after I left the fitness studio, I was general accountability coaching, working with really creative women who kind of couldn't get out of their own way because I'm a very logical, sequential, grounded person. And they like to think in circles. That's still my client, but I moved from like accountability to general business coaching. And then I found that I really love talking about content and words. And like, I can pull your ideas out of your head and make them into something that sounds like you in a way that feels good to you. Like it's really can be very personalized. So I just kept leaning into this thing of like, you were an English teacher. Words are your thing. Your natural capacity is to be organized and sequential. Like how can we package all of that up? And so I really just got into a very narrow lane because that works for my brain. Alibi is your ticket to stress-free freelancing. Our goal is to save you time so you can make more money. We are built by freelancers for freelancers, and we want to make onboarding your clients, tracking work, invoicing, scheduling meetings, subcontracting work, everything you need to run a business simple. Alibi Plus is all of your business management tools consolidated into one simple-to-use platform. We don't want to just stop at helping you manage your current clients. We also want to give you the ability to get match for work and bring clients to you or short on-demand jobs that you can pick up in your dashboard. 
Ready to simplify your life and business and snag a tax write-off before the year ends? Head over to allobee.com slash plus. To sweeten the deal, as a listener, you can now get one month free of our standard level and get started right. Just use code ALOBE Radio, all caps, A-L-L-O-B-E-E-R-A-D-I-O today and join the Allobee family. I think the more specific you can be with who you help, the more easy it is for you to be well known for something. Like I want to be known for content creation, copy messaging, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're like super general, it was it was harder to be known for that. For, for that. Uh, but that doesn't work for everybody's brain. So I really like people to understand like you can create and, and create the business that works for you based on like your personality, your strengths, how your brain prefers to work. So that is the business I created for myself. And what I did was I created a membership called, it was called the Content Creators Studio. And it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was like an online classroom. And I showed up every week for my members and they would learn how to do content creation in a way that felt good for them. Excuse me. (coughs) And I marketed it and I did all the things. And I always had like 33 people in it. Like two people would come in, two people would leave. And it was a monthly membership kind of thing. And the people who have been in it, they lo- like people have been there since the beginning, right? Yeah. So I knew it was working. And I realized like uh, the go- everybody online tells you go big, scale, scale, scale. And that's, you know, the way that you can do that is with a group program or a membership or product-based stuff, like lots of ways to do it. And I had to realize, and this has only happened within the last two weeks, like my brain does not, let me back up, to make the money that I want to make every month, which is my goal is $20,000 a month. I need 200 people in that group paying $97 a month. At the moment, 33 people are in there. Most of them are paying $37 a month. And they're like lifetimed in there, legacy. And so I just kept thinking like, how am I going to get 20,000 people on my list? Like, it's just going to take me years and years and years and years. And I just realized like, that's uh, that. So that was like a a whole thing for me to realize that huge number. But then the other thing was, I don't like to work in a way where I have to hold space for 200 people. That doesn't like, I want to know their businesses. I want to know them. I want to help them. And 33 people I can help 200 people that would feel overwhelming to me. So I had to make the decision to close the membership and we're doing that, you know, I, I announced it and it's all being done like in a month, really transparently, et cetera. But it was a hard decision because you worry, am I going to disappoint people? Are people going to be angry? Are they going to be upset? And and yes, yes, all of those things are true. Um, And so that is a challenge right now because I don't know what's next. I have some ideas, But this thing that I've held in my brain for two and a half years, and I could see the vision of it, it just didn't mesh with the brain, the way my brain likes to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that has been a very big challenge right now to trust that intuition again of like, this isn't, you created it, you did it, and it's not working. And before I burn out, I need to change something up. So I guess this is a good moment to say like, oh, I noticed the things that that were tapping on my shoulder and saying, hey, hey, if you don't figure this out, you're going to go back into burnout. Yeah. It's interesting that 
your container size, and I'm I'm really I I love this conversation because it's something that I've struggled with a lot, especially as building a a tech company that like mm-hmm. you, we have investors like you have to scale you don't have a choice like that's the whole point um and, and I chose that path intentionally because my goal was to get more women paid for flexible work and mm-hmm. help support these small businesses that and solo entrepreneurs that were not getting a good way to outsource so it mm-hmm. fits our model it fits my vision all of that mm-hmm. but same thing I'm very good at holding containers for smaller groups of people so like for a classroom me, yeah it, Exactly. The classroom size, literally. Yeah. <laughs> As we do that. Um, I had to end up bringing on other team members to help mm-hmm. support that vision. And I was then struggling with like, okay, well, we do business coaching once a month or twice a month, depending on how we had it laid out in our community. And I loved being able to like do this for, for all of it. And I'm like, I cannot hold space for all these people. Like, you know, we're over 300 people in our community at this point. And so it's like, I needed to bring in those people. So now we've actually been bringing in business coaches mm-hmm. with other backgrounds and it's so perfect mm-hmm. and aligned and beautiful mm-hmm. that like, I couldn't see that for a long time. Like totally. that was a, a really hard thing for me to see. So I'm like, but I still want to be the the person because I want to support these businesses. I totally and I was like, it. I can't, I can't do it. Um, and I think that's really hard as you as you see your vision for scaling. And I think that that's one thing I always tell entrepreneurs is like really decide how big you want to be, but also that exact thing that you did, what's my monthly revenue goal and reverse engineer from there, because it has to align to what you want to make or have to make. Like it has to fit that because if not, you're going to be mad about something that's the further down the line. And it's hard yeah. because like, that was a good thing for you. Like that membership worked it for a worked. long time and for a lot of people. It but, worked yeah. and it got results And the people who were in it got a lot of value out of it, right? Like I'm looking at their content every month. I'm teaching them something new every month. I'm planning with them every month, but they got a ton of value. Uh, But I thought that this is an interesting little aside since I was a teacher. I mean, when I was a teacher, I would teach five classes a day, 25 to 30 kids, like however, whatever the math is there, that's a lot of kids every day. So I always said like, oh, I could hold space for that amount of people, but I never really considered, yeah, you can know all your students, you can know their 504 plans, you can know their, you know, their, um, you, you can know everything about them, all of their needs, but you're seeing them every single day for 42 minutes a day. It's not the same when you have a container where you're seeing people once a month or four, even four times a month. And, um, and when they're paying you, there's a different level of like expectation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's yeah. a, it's a completely different ball game Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more intricate because knowing their business and then also bringing in like the macro of what's happening in marketing and then slowly helping to support them there's so many so So many many moving parts yeah Yeah, so many um well I'm very excited to see where this (laughs) next step is going to take you I it's constant evolution and iteration in entrepreneurship. And if it wasn't like something's You'd not be bored. actually right anyway, you would be bored. You'd be so, bored. Yeah. And I mean, I always look at it as like, well, 
everything that happened in this can still be like, I mean, maybe you create a course and you can sell like a bunch of the stuff that you did in that one evergreen. And then a group coaching program Mm -hmm. that launches three times a year. I mean, there's so many things you can do, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, definitely that reverse engineering of the price that you have to make. And I always find that when like the money and the output like are not aligned, then it's, it Burn always out. messes up. Yeah, it always messes up. And coming from, and I will say I've done a lot of therapy and healing around this particular piece is teachers mm-hmm. go into teaching because they want to help. Nobody goes into teaching to say, I want to make a lot of money. So if you're saying you want to make a lot of money, it feels really gross to you. So you've got to figure out all of that money garbage yes, because that's also holding you back from having the business that you want. Yes. Then you just have a very expensive, exhausting hobby. It is. It is. And you uh, you have to be able to charge what feels good to you, mm-hmm. but a push for you. Like totally. It's, it's a push to, to make that. Um, and, and the right people will come. It, it's And it's not like build it and people will come and you do nothing, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to put a lot out there. But at the same time, it's like the right the right scenario will, will pan out. And if it isn't, then you'll pivot and you'll iterate in a different direction. Trusting yourself that you'll pivot and iterate and it will work out is really hard. And it's also really scary. And you have to kind of take that leap. Um, that is why I think that entrepreneurs who are out there giving advice to like, go quit your job and follow your passion and it will all the, the net will appear. That is scary advice to me. I don't think that yeah. that's right. Um, and so, like I said, I did do that again. I had a partner who was really supporting me in that. Not everybody has that. Some people have partners who are in their ear going, how are you going to do this? You're going to lose all your money. You're going to lose your, you know, going to lose your, uh, your retirement fund. Like they're just in their ear. Like you're crazy. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so, uh, surrounding yourself with people, even if it's online, who mm-hmm. are great mentors, who following people online, who align with you, like those people who are ahead of you. Um, and if you're following an entrepreneur, especially in the guru age that we're in, um, you might be like, yeah, I don't like that. It doesn't resonate with me. Do I really have to do that? No, you do not. There's nothing you have to do except really be in alignment for what works for you. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, are there people that I'm still following that I started following when I first started into entrepreneurship journey? And there are a few. And like, I've seen their businesses evolve and change and I've gotten closer to their, like, yeah. you know, to where they're at, yeah. you know, over all of these years. But there are several people that I stopped listening to because I was like, nope. Totally. <laughs> like, this is not what totally. I'm going to do. And sometimes and that's okay. It's, and yeah. it's, it's the way that it, like people will outgrow you as you get, yes, you, and exactly. you will outgrow people. Uh, sometimes I open up my YouTube to, for every morning I do my tapping with Brad and I open up a YouTube and there's always some crappy white dude with yelling at me, like, if you just do what I say, you're going to make a million dollars. And I'm just like, Brad, I love you. And I want to tap with you. But I wish you didn't have these shitty ads on your videos. No, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to even hear their voices or like hear anything from them. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so true. Like, I have just been very baffled at the stuff that's out there. I think a lot people of people are still eating it up. I'm like, how are you still eating this up? A lot of men jumped into the like personal development, business mm-hmm. coaching world over the last, I mean, even over the last eight years since totally. I've been a full entrepreneur. And it is, it was a lot of women at the beginning, like, and they're still there. They're still there. They've done really great for themselves, but 
Also, there are a lot of men out there. And I think that naturally, you know, women are going to be more attracted to the feminine approach to business. Um, But there's a lot of masculine pull there and and influence, just like there is in any business space in corporate America, in even in education, like in all the places, there is that, that masculine feel. But I think especially if you're coming from a more nurturing, nurturing mm-hmm, quote unquote mm-hmm, career, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that like, you know, that's in your background totally. and the impact, like that's going to be a play. So like, I know for me, um, I always struggled with that. Like with the charging at the beginning, I had to do a lot of money work myself too. But I also found that I was struggling with the element of, am I making an impact? Is this doing good in the world? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And so what I ended up doing is like, I always did one pro bono project Mm -hmm. a year. I was doing web design as a freelancer. And so that was like, I always did that once a year. It was like, I felt good about it. It was always, I partnered with an organization that I really loved and did a project for them. And it was like my one thing. And then I knew that I had that container filled for myself. Um, But I didn't have to stress about it the rest of the year. You could charge everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, obviously I, 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 did good in, in other ways, but that was my like, okay, that's how I'm going to give back with my time and, and something that I can do. Um, but I think it, just encouraging people to figure out what that is that you need totally. to like do to fill whatever containers um, that you need in your life is really important. Well, I have two more questions for sure. you today. Um, the first one is what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? We've talked about a lot of different things today, but has there been any like specific person that you followed or book you read or a course that you've taken that's really helped and supported you? Well, I really, so once you find your people and you really like them, I, they usually have a podcast. I'm a big podcast listener. So I would say, I know there's going to be a million courses out there that are promising you every single thing. Like we're going to give you every single thing you need. They don't, they don't give you what you need. And so get as much as you can be a podcast, find your person because these huge groups that promise you, my course will solve all your problems. There's always something like you haven't done or you, um, haven't thought of, or you need a higher touch, you need somebody paying attention. So find the people, even if they're not internet gurus, even if they're not internet famous, find the people who get you. And if you are going to invest, like I would say at this point in my life, I wish I knew this before. If I was going to invest $2,000 in a course, I wish I had invested it in a person who was actually going to put their eyes on my business and not in a huge course. So finding that right mentor is incredibly important. And don't think that it it doesn't happen quickly. Like really, like really talk to people. Um, the other thing, there was so much money garbage as coming from a poor background and coming from teacher background. Uh, I really had to do a lot of undoing and healing around money garbage. And I, that might sound weird to you, but I promise you, once you start to understand your relationship with money, being an entrepreneur is a lot easier. My favorite place to dip a toe was um, really like Denise Duffield's Thomas, who does a money boot camp. Again, you don't even need to buy her course. Start listening to her podcast and her books. She's very generous. And um, the personal development is a big part of being an entrepreneur. Like nothing, there's two, I think there's two things in the world that will bring up your garbage, like nothing else. One is having a child. The second is having a business. <laughs> so and true. so if you haven't done that personal development, 
Um, and it doesn't even have to be like woo woo. It just has to be like, oh my God, there's so much stuff that I'm bumping up against that's holding me back. One, If you've never done it before, my favorite entry point was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. The tone is light. It introduces you to a lot of ideas and it's kind of a good jumping off place. So at the beginning, those were my lessons and the people that I followed to help me just, oh, it's because it's really less about do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And more about like knowing yourself. Yeah. Oh, I never I, understood that. So true. I yeah. didn't understand it's, that. It's so true. And I always am baffled. It, it, this is bad. And I, I'm sorry to say this to all the entrepreneurs out there that charge a lot for their courses, but I'm always amazed because we, anytime I've put out courses or programs or anything, I always have some sort of like inside into yeah. their business or like a yeah. little hands-on um, I just don't feel good about it if not. And that's something for me. That's my I feel my the thing. same way. It doesn't need to be anybody else's. Um, but a lot of times, even business coaches out there will have like their group programs mm-hmm. that are a little bit more totally. And we actually high touch. This on another podcast. Yeah. It's it's higher touch, but it's not like super overwhelming price for like a one-on-one business coach. It's a great way. Plus, like, especially if you're an early entrepreneur, like having other people ask questions and you getting to hear their responses totally. is very valuable because sometimes you just don't know what to ask. Totally. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Like, make sure you've done your research. You really like the person. Podcast is the best way to hear from somebody free information totally. and, and experience. And then you'll know how you feel about, about them. Um, for sure. And the money thing, I also had to do my, my work. On still doing it. Right still there. doing I it. Still do. I still <laughs> Me do. Too. Um, it's always, always, if you're, if you're like, what's really going on here, it's usually that, mm-hmm. um, you can always point to that. Well, my last question for you today, I know we could talk forever. <laughs> um, but what is the impact and legacy that you want to leave on this world? You've obviously already had a great impact, obviously through teaching and through, um, everything that you've done as an entrepreneur, but, um, what impact or legacy do you want to leave? I work with mostly women. And they're usually highly creative women. They're really brilliant. And they have something that the world needs, but they can't either get out of their own way to do it, or they don't have the courage, or they really don't know what their voice is, and they don't know how to do it in a way that feels good to them. And I know that the world needs so much support right now. The people, we need so much support. We need people who are authentic and who are, you know, in integrity. And a lot of women are holding themselves back from helping people and getting paid for it. And that is what I want to help people do by getting their messaging and their content and their copy out there. Because when you have those things, then you can connect with your audience and eventually they become customers and clients. The, the, you know, people, people pitching you in the DMs, like it doesn't have to be like that. And so I want to show people a way to do it in a way, do content and content marketing in a way that, feels good and gets you the clients that you want to work with. Yeah, it's it's so true. It's it's a long game too yeah. as a as an entrepreneur that relationship building is so vital and it, I mean I have people that I connected with 7 or 8 years ago mm-hmm. that like 
finally circle back and totally. become clients, at, you know, at Alibi, or they introduce me to somebody else. It's just, it's a really long game mm-hmm. to build that and you know, like and trust. It's even longer when you're online totally. and you're never meeting in person. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's something to to know that that you know that legacy and impact takes a long time, but it's so important. Yeah, it's um, tr- and I love that. I, so many women are not you know, having their voice heard or getting their message out into the world. So yeah. I love that that's what you're helping to support. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, where can we find you? We'll link everything in the show notes, but what's the best way to connect with you? Easiest is to go to my website, which is jenliddy.com. That's J-E-N, I'm one in Jen, jenliddy, L-I-D-D-Y.com. There, there you can kind of find everything. There's a great download there for people who want to learn how to do content planning in a way that's easy. Um, but a lot of my stuff is on Instagram, Facebook, if you're a Facebook person. And there's, of course, the socials like TikTok. Uh, but you can find me if you look for Jen Liddy, L-I-D-D-Y, coach, Jen Liddy coach. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. Um, and we will definitely be sharing everything about Jen in the show notes. You can go there. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Next week, we'll be back with another entrepreneur that's going to share tips and tricks as well as their own journey through entrepreneurship with you. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that. And then also go check us out at LLB.com. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alibi Radio. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. If you are needing support to scale your business simply, head over to Alibi.com. That is A-L-L-O-B-E-E.com. Get $50 off your first service with code RADIO50. That's R-A-D-I-O 50. Until next week, take action and gain momentum in your business and life.